You are now listening to Soul Power to the People podcast with Tess Fregera. It's a podcast designed to bring awareness on intended or unintended crimes against humanity, how we can rise above it, claim our divine inheritance, and return the soul power to the people. Thank you so much for joining us. So today's topic, the welfare system. It starts out with a good intention to help people get back on their feet. I'm one of them, not welfare per se, but I did receive some help to get me back on my feet. But at some point, I notice as a coach, it becomes a crutch. And I can't wait to hear from our most honored handsome, very handsome guest, uh, how a good and beneficial thing can actually trap humanity in thinking, hmm, they've got their day-to-day needs met, right? But in reality, is it preventing them from actualizing their God-given potential, their God-given gifts, and do the work they're here to do, right? So my special guest today is James Wright, whom I met online sharing his message. And one of his comments uh, really struck me. He said, I'd always been entrepreneurial my whole life. And I asked him, did your parents, your guardians, your caretakers, did they influence you? And I will let him share the rest of that story. It's my honor and privilege to have transformational coach, speaker, and CEO of Cerebromatics, Mr. James Wright. James, how are you today? I'm doing good. Thank you, Tess. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be here and to share um, my story with you and your listeners. Um, As we have spoken before, as you know, I grew up in a home where we were on the welfare system. And um, that system um, influenced who I am today. Um, Growing up on welfare was not an easy thing. It was very stressful. It was very embarrassing for me, um, and it made me feel somewhat inferior for a very long time. Um, There wasn't a whole lot of, in my neighborhood, in, in the era that I grew up, there wasn't a whole lot of chance for opportunity. And being on welfare and being in poverty made those chances even slimmer. So I just had to um, figure out and find my way out of that. I had to figure out how I was going to somehow escape that and have a better life for myself because I knew that um, that was also an entrapment. If you didn't figure a way out of it, you would become entrapped in it because it can become a generational thing. And uh, when I was talking to you, I remember reading um, 
something about modern day slavery, how welfare system is one of those um, newer forms of entrapment. Um, do you have any thoughts about that? Well, um, yes, I do. And when I say it's a form of modern day slavery test, what I mean by that is, and it doesn't just apply to the welfare system when I say this. There's so it applies many, but, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Any organization or corporation or anything that causes you to restrict and limit your mental potential. Um, be, and with the welfare system, the way that works is this. Because you are in a system um, that only, it gives you enough to survive, but not enough to live because there is a difference between living and just surviving. So it does give you enough to survive, but not enough to live. And when you take away the opportunity for a person to live, you also take away some of their opportunities to dream, some of their opportunities for growth. And the reason that happens is this, because if you are living in poverty, then more than likely everyone around you, your entire neighborhood and the people that you associate with are also living in poverty. And if you're living in poverty, more than likely the schools that you attend are not the best schools. They are schools that don't have a lot of economic funds going into them. So you don't get the best education. So therefore what happens is this becomes, as I stated, it can become a generational thing because if you are brought up in a situation where you don't have any mentors, you don't have anyone to really look up to, everyone's in the same boat as you are in. And so you are not going going to school with a doctor's son and daughter. You are not going to, going to school with a politician's children and the attorney's children. You're going to school with children that are in the same situation as you are. They are in poverty. Their parents are in poverty. So you don't have a real opportunity to learn how to dream. You don't have a real opportunity to learn how to use your imagination, how to set goals, because that is not the experience that you are are living on. You're living on an um, automatic pilot that says, I just need to survive. And that right there can be the box that limits us. And, and, and that follows us through life. And that has, you know, it's that's the model of the world. That's how you function. And that's the reality you create, right? So right. Uh, first of all, thank you for being here. Why did you agree to come on the show? My mission in life, my, my sole purpose for being on this earth, I believe, is to help people understand that they can transform their lives by changing their thought process. And it is my mission to help people change their thought process and realize that no matter what state and condition you are presently in, that's due to external forces. We have allowed external forces to become internalized in us. 
So what we have to do is we have to eradicate those external forces that we are brought up with from childhood. We have to take all of that garbage that has been put into us by our well-meaning parents, by our educators, by society as a whole, that tells us what we can and what we cannot do, who and who we cannot become, we have to eradicate all of that. And then we have to, and it starts from childhood, we have to go all the way back to our childhood, find out why we have become who we have become. And if we don't like who we have become, or we don't like the life that we are living, we have to go back and figure out from our childhood where we, how we ended up in this place. And then we have to take those issues and we have to deal with them. We have to eradicate them and we have to replace them with new thoughts, new ideas, and new actions. How old were you when you said this welfare lifestyle, even though it's meeting your needs for day to day, you're, you know, there's a, there's a level of safety there, right? That there's going to be yes. food table uh what age were you in when you said this is not for me and it's dumbing me down it's not meeting my who i am meant to be i was very young um yeah that's that's yeah you you said that you were entrepreneurial yeah, your I, whole I, life. I, I was maybe like around seven or eight years old when i now before that time i realized that things were not good and that, you know, this was poverty and that. But prior to seven or eight years old, I think even though I realized that, what I did not realize was that this was not necessarily the norm. I just kind of figured that's the way life was. Everyone lived that way. But maybe like around seven or eight years old, when my consciousness started to, because of course, you know, you see TV and everything of that nature. And at that particular time, you had these shows on TV, uh, you know, the Danny Thomas show, the uh, Father Knows Best show, My Three Sons. And you, I saw these people who were, different their homes were different their lifestyles were different it was like something i wasn't accustomed to so i began to understand and recognize that there was a whole nother world to that i was not privy to and this other world seemed much better <laughs> than the world that i was in so around seven or eight years old that became a consciousness with me. And actually, I began at that particular time. That's when I really started my first entrepreneurial um, projects and started creating little side businesses where I can make money on my own. <laughs> what what type of uh, business? Lemonade stand or newspaper? Well, no, no. As a matter of fact, the first one that I ever created, Tess, was um, at Christmas time. In school, we had um, made, the teacher had had us make these Christmas wreaths for Christmas out of a wire hanger and tissue paper. And so when I made the Christmas wreath, the idea just came to me 
well, why don't you take your wreath around the neighborhood and show it to the neighbors and take orders to make Christmas wreaths for them? <laughs> and so that's exactly what I did. That was my first little so-called entrepreneurial project. I took my little Christmas wreath and showed it to the neighbors and was like, would you like to order one of these? I'll make it for you and have it to you in time for Christmas. And I took all of these orders and I made these Christmas wreaths. And that was my first experience of making money for myself. I can tell you how jealous I am. You not only have a sense of money, you also were in touch with your creativity. And that's, that, that's a potent combination right there. I didn't get to my creativity part, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I was not allowed to have pen and paper to draw on. <laughs> it, oh, it, okay. it would be a, a waste of money to be drawing on paper. So. Oh. Uh, yeah, well, I grew up in the Philippines. Um, I know poverty mindset. Mm -hmm. um, and I also raised my children as a single mom. So I had that single mom mindset that I carried with me even uh, during the first few years of me becoming a coach and uh, uh, creating my own business. And okay. it's, it's really, I love um, your process. Uh, cerebromatics. Am I saying that correctly? Cerebromatics. Cerebromatics. Mm -hmm. And eradicating the thoughts that are unhelpful. And what do you do what, with all that? So, so where do you get the new thoughts then? Well, the, the first thing you have to do, or the first thing I advise my clients and people to do, is to start with your vision. You have to change your vision. Vision is everything. And uh, for those people who think that vision is not important, one thing that I like to refer back to, and I, I say this to, to them all the time, the importance of vision has been around since the beginning of time. The only problem is no one told you about it. No one taught you how important it is. But one of the most popular books on the face of the earth, the Bible, way back then spoke about the importance of a vision. It said, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now that was not talking about the vision that you see with these physical eyes. It was speaking of a mental, a spiritual, and an emotional vision. So if your vision is blurred or your vision is incorrect, your life is going to be blurred your life is going to be incorrect. So one of the first things that you must do if you want to change any circumstance in your life, whether it's your career, a relationship, your weight, your economic status, whatever it is, it starts with your vision. So I, in order to um, help people understand that what I advise that they do is create what's called a vision board. And you probably are familiar and have heard of a vision board where you put things on your vision board that pertain to the things you want in life, how you want your life to be, the way you want your life to go. That's the first step. Once you start changing your vision, then you can start training your mind to set goals and to set milestones and to take actions towards those goals. Was it hard to train the mind to break out of the welfare mindset? 
Well, not for me. I don't think it was so hard because um, some people are born kind of knowing a direction that they need to take in life. I think I was one of those fortunate people that was just born to know that there was something for me that I, a mission that I needed to accomplish. Now, I never did know, and I may not still even know fully today, what that total mission is. I had to learn along the way. Um, so now, like some some people, like some entertainers will say, well, I, I know I was born to be an actor. I know I was born to be, you know, a football player or whatever. I didn't know that I was born to be a coach and a public speaker. <laughs> you know, I didn't know that. It took a learning process for me. But I, but even though I didn't know what I was supposed to do, I was born knowing that I was not supposed to walk the normal road that society had put in place for me, if that makes sense. That totally makes sense. I, I'm the opposite. I just knew that I didn't belong here. That was like, <laughs> oh, get me out of here, please. I want to check out, <laughs> you know, because I, I couldn't live in a place where there's no alignment, where there's mm -hmm. no harmony. And so whenever there's this harmony, it was very hard for me. You know, I, I, I cry, I, I, I pray to God, please just take me back. You made a mistake bringing me here. That was my prayer from when I was your age selling and I'm there begging to God to take me back. Isn't that interesting? But now it's become clearer and clearer to me that if the reality that I'm experiencing is not what I know is true for me, then it's up to me to create that. Yes. Yes. And that's a, that's a, um, situation that a vast majority of people don't realize that it's up to them. Either they don't realize it because, again, they've been conditioned by society not to realize it, or there is the, also the um, chance that they don't realize it simply because they don't want to realize it because they don't want to take the responsibility for their life. So, right. mm -hmm. so, you know, a person has to decide, you know, am I in this situation because I don't want any better? I don't, I don't think I deserve any better. I don't desire any better. I'm too lazy to try to do any better. Or am I in this situation simply because I have been programmed by outside forces and now I need to deprogram myself? I know for myself, I was asleep to this deeper knowing of the mission that you talk about. Um, I spoke about having a single mom mentality and uh, and, and yeah, I raised them all by myself without a dime from their father and all that. And there was a time I had to choose between, uh, you know, staying in a job or getting a new job. Yes. But if I, if I, if I increase my paycheck by that much, I lose their medical benefits. So mm -hmm. I know the trap 
that there is that if you are ambitious enough to you know just make a little bit more money then you get kicked out of the system and then you end up paying for childcare you end up paying for the medical uh and 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 so much more and so what happens to my paycheck nothing it all goes away it doesn't really help me in the long run unfortunately um, that's the way our system, governmental system works in this country and maybe in other countries in the world also, but I'm only familiar with our country here. Um, anytime you start asking anything from the government, it becomes one of those things where, um, as you just stated, you know, if I try to increase my lot in life just a little bit, you start taking away before I, you know, the, the support that I need. Um, in other words, you know, I don't qualify because I make $20,000 a year and you say I'm over the poverty level. Well, if you're making $20,000 a year and you're trying to raise two or three kids, <laughs> that's not a lot of money, but you no longer qualify for the food stamps or you no longer qualify for the Medicare because in order to get it, you can't make $20,000 a year. And I'm just using these as examples. You can only make $16,000 a year. So now that you've improved your lot just a little bit, not enough to become independent, you still need that help, but we're not gonna give it to you because now you're over your limit. Um, and that's what goes back to what I was saying about um, a type of enslavement, a type, it's, 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 it's a do or die situation, you know, if you try to better your lot, we punish you. We, you get punished for bettering your lot, which is a terrible thing, you know. Now, I do understand and I do recognize that those systems are in place because there are people that really do need them. But then, there are also people that are using those um, systems just as crutches because they don't want <laughs> to do any better. They don't expect to do any, any better. Well, it, it's, it's not that they don't want to do any better. Let's talk about the fears underneath. Okay. Well, yes. Do you want to break that down with, with me? Well, yes. Um, when I say um, they don't want to do any better. What I'm saying is, um, it goes back to what I said earlier about the generational thing. Mm -hmm. um, if you're born up, if you're brought up in a certain environment, it's a possibility that you think that that's all that there really is. Yes. And so you're not expecting anymore. You're mm -hmm. not um, motivated for anymore because this is what you think life is and once that process if it starts being introduced to you from infancy from the time you're born most of our who we are most of who we become are developed within the first few years of our lives while we are children mm -hmm. so if this is introduced to you by the time you're five or six or seven years old that's this has already formed I, the idea of what life is supposed to be, who you are supposed to become, who and what you are supposed to do. And that's why sometimes it becomes generational because 
Once that foundation is laid, it's like any other foundation. Once a foundation is laid and you build upon it, the only way to get rid of that building and build a new structure, you have to get rid of the building and you have to start with a complete new foundation. You have to get rid of the original foundation. Get rid of the original. Oh, kind of like what I say, from fear power to soul power. What, what mm -hmm. foundation uh, would you be talking about? Well, Is that along the same lines? Well, you have to get rid of that foundation of, of negativity, mm -hmm. um, that I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough. Um, you have to get rid of that foundation. I can't have it because I'm black. I can't have it because I'm a woman. I can't do it because all those because it's you have to get rid of those and you have to come to understand that it doesn't matter if you're woman, black, white, straight, gay. It doesn't, none of that matters. Let me say this. The facts do not dictate how you live. What dictates how you live is what you believe. 100%. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Belief actually creates the reality. So let's, let's help them create a new belief um, uh, when it comes to vision. Because um, just like what you said earlier, I didn't know that I was going to be a coach. I didn't know that I would, you know, who, are, who the heck do you think you are to call yourself a soul-powered leadership coach, right? Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of audacity there, but there was a lot of growth that led me to that. I had no idea. I thought I was going to die an accountant. And, and uh, to tell you the truth, I was a financial director for eight years and I thought I was all set for the rest of my life until I found out that I was empty, I was restless, I was like, oh, I don't know what's wrong with me. And that got me into this work because mm -hmm. that that reality was no longer true for me. And I, I didn't know it, but somehow, some higher knowing inside of me knew that. So let's create a vision for the people who are limited in their self-concept. Mm -hmm. Paint a picture for them. Paint a picture for the younger version of me that just says, I don't know, I'm going to die an accountant, James. What do you have? Yes. <laughs> yes. If you are in a situation where you are not excited about working, waking up every single day. It doesn't just thrill you <laughs> to get out of bed every single day and do your job, whatever that job is. I don't care if it's being a scientist or astronaut or a trash man. You, if it doesn't excite you and if it doesn't thrill you, then that's telling you that you are not living the way you should live, that you are not where you need to be and you need to make a change in your life. Every day that a person wakes up, they should be just thrilled. Going to work should be like going to play. When I go, when I work, it's not work to me, it's fun. You know, if you're, if you're not doing what's fun, then you're in the wrong career and you need to search yourself and look into yourself and find out what will make you happy. And when you find out what will make you happy, that's where you need to start directing your energy and your drive towards. 
that is so true. Powerful, powerful stuff. Now, what would you say to people who have naysayers around them? Oh, you are crazy if you're going to give that up. Are you crazy? You're all set. Well, I've had them all my life, and I'm sure you have too. Uh, Most most people that um, try to break out of the norm will encounter naysayers. And that is perfectly okay as long as you don't become a naysayer to yourself. Um, Now, depending on your naysayer, you may have to just totally eradicate that person out of your life. If that person is too toxic, you don't need any tox, toxic elements in your life. So if, a, if you have a dream, if you have a desire, if you have a goal, again, it doesn't matter whether it's career, a relationship, education, travel, whatever it is, and you have someone that is so toxic against what you would like to do, what you desire, then you have to have a courage. You have to be brave enough to realize that you must eradicate that person out of your life and you will not be sorry. Now, it may, it may be a hard thing to do depending on who that person is, but once you've done it, you will learn and you will look back and you will feel very happy and very glad that you did it because you will find so much release, so much stress off of you because oftentimes a very toxic person in your life will cause you to spend your day worrying about what they think about you than worrying about what you think about yourself. The sad part is sometimes this toxic naysayers are family or a significant other. And it's really, you know, especially if you've made commitment and loyalty is one of your top value. If you say you're loyal and committed to that person and that person is the one dragging you to depression, dragging you to anxiety, right? And and not just, you know, the, the unfulfillment of the soul can really create a lot of internal conflict, right? Well, you know, I had... Um, it- a somewhat experience of what we're talking about. Um, I was married for a brief period of time. And what we're talking about kind of goes to what we're saying. I had these ideas in my mind about where I wanted my life to be, how I wanted my life to go. And I knew that this was the direction I was going to to go in, go with. Well, my partner or my wife at that particular time had a completely different idea about, you know, the direction that she wanted life to go in. And we were very young and had we had known each other better, um, probably would have figured this out ahead of time, but we didn't. But what I'm saying is... um, my commitment to what who I was and what I was was so strong that I was not going to let anyone keep me from doing what I knew internally I needed to do to be who I needed to be. And so therefore, you know, among other things, but this was one of the things, that relationship had to end. So what I'm saying is, yes, sometimes we have to make choices in life. 
And the choices that we make are not always easy, but you have to decide what sacrifices are you willing to make for your happiness. Um, if you're willing to stay on a job, if you're willing to stay in a relationship, if you're willing to live in a location where you are not truly happy and you're willing to make that sacrifice and live your life um, being unsatisfied, unfulfilled, then you have to take responsibility that that's the choice that you have made. But if you are not willing to do that, you also have to have the courage and take responsibility for yourself to say, well, whatever it takes, I'm going to change this situation. And yes, some people may be hurt by it. Some people may um, not like it or whatever, but as long as you're not intentionally hurting someone and causing them damage, it's okay to do what is best for you. So walk us back to your journey. Where are you now? So you're an entrepreneurial coach, transformational coach. Who's, who's, who are your clients? My clients range from business owners to just individuals. Um, I've had clients. Um, I've had professional athletes as clients, entertainers, um, business, like I say, business owners. Um, I've done some work with some um, football players in the NFL, some basketball, NBA players. Um, so my clients are, it's because surprisingly enough, money does not dictate the fact that you are who and what you want to be in life. So I've had clients that, you know, from some clients that had money and you would think that they were happy with their lives, but they really weren't happy again, because they were not, they were doing that particular job or playing that particular sport or whatever, but it was not really identifying who they were internally who you what you do is not always who you are and so what you want to do is you want to all you want to change that you want who you are to become what you do if, does that make sense to you i could follow you but uh talk to the audience a little bit more about that yes when i say what you do is not always who you are um for instance um if I was, was working at a company right now, say any company, that would not be who I am because who I am is who you are seeing today. This is me. I'm a, I'm a helper. I'm a giver. I'm a promoter. I'm a motivator. I'm um, a inspirer. So if I'm working at this company, I'm not doing that. I'm working at this company as an engineer, I'm working at this company on, as, an, as an assembly worker, line worker, or whatever. It's not who I am, that's what I do. Now, who I am and what I do is one and the same today because who I am is who you see and who you are speaking with today. And I'm doing who I am. I'm doing the inspiration, I'm doing the transformation, I'm doing the giving, I'm doing the helping. So you want who you are and what you are 
to be one and the same. If you want to be an educator, then you should not only be an educator, but in your profession, but you should be an educator in your personal life. In other words, you should be an example to people. So that, that I really love what you're saying there to be in alignment with what you're doing and, and not compartmentalized, right? Mm -hmm. Some, some mm -hmm. people show a different face, show a different part of them to the outside world and then right. come home all depleted, all deflated. And, uh, you know, and, and that's what creates the energy of, uh, I got to go to work again because they're not going to work exactly who they are exactly what they stand for um i know i am committed to awakening freedom and enlightenment and so this uh, that's why the show made manifest right um because i was re just really outraged by all this uh, subtle things that you think are safe but really is dumbing consciousness down and trapping people from uh, really bringing to life their joy, their excitement, who they really are uh, from the level of soul. Well, that goes back to, the, the, again, this, this slavery mentality because you, you just mentioned the safety. So many people are in their jobs and in their positions because of that safety. And that's the type of slavery that I was talking about, this mental thing, this, this slavery. You're there because it's convenient for you it's comfort for you you say it's paying my bills it's 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 paying my cardinal it's putting food on the table and i don't want to take the chance of stepping out of this comfort zone when internally you are not satisfied you are not being fulfilled because you may be you may be fulfilled um physically because again it's taking care of all those things for you but mentally and emotionally and spiritually you're starving you're hungry because it goes back to what i said earlier when you get up in the morning if you are not just thrilled and excited to do what you're going to do that day then you're doing something wrong and when the day ends if you are not excited about and thrilled about what you've done that day if you don't lay down at night thinking to yourself, wow, you know, this was so much fun and I can't wait to do it again tomorrow, there's a problem. Talk to us more about that hunger, that starving. Uh, when that is not met, how are they meeting that need? <laughs> you know? Well, they're not meeting that need and that's the problem. They're not meeting that need and, and through transformation and through changing of the mindset right. a on a lower level what do they do instead what do they replace that with you know instant gratification yeah well they're replacing working that's what i can really say they're replacing it with things that's why a lot of people are in so much debt they're replacing so it debt, yes <laughs> they're replacing it with things they think if if i buy that new car i'll feel better if i buy a new outfit is going to make me feel better. If I get that big screen TV, they're trying to fill a void with material things 
not realizing that it does, it goes back to what I said earlier about, you know, some of the athletes and things that had money. Material things cannot fill that void. You can buy all the material things that you want, but it's not going to fill that void if that void is that you are not living up to your true destiny, your true desire. You're, because the inner you knows who you are meant to be. You can try to run away from it all you want, but your true inner being knows who you are meant to be. And if you are not on that road that's leading you to your destiny, then all these things that you try to fill it up and replace it with, it's, you're, you're just going to be driving yourself again, in debt, in debt, in debt, and not understanding or coming to the understanding that the reason I feel the way I feel is because I'm directing my energy in the wrong place instead of directing my energy on having outside things try to fulfill me. I need to start directing my energy into changing my inner self so that my inner thoughts, my inner um, creativity, my inner resources start fulfilling me. And I remember you sharing a story with me where someone asked you, are you happy? Are you yeah. really happy? Can you talk along those lines and ask the audience if they're happy? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, well, I, again, as a young person, as a kid, I knew I was going to be an entrepreneur. And, and, but this was when I was um, in my early 20s, maybe like 21, 22 years old. And I um, was actually working at a major international company at that particular time. And one day, one of the guys on the job, we were not friends and we weren't even associates, but we knew each other by name because we worked in the same department. He stopped me and he asked me, we had start, we started having a brief conversation and during the conversation, he asked me, James, are you happy? And I answered yes, because at that particular time, I'm working this job, I'm having this income and you know, I'm thinking I'm pretty happy. And he didn't, wasn't satisfied with the answer. He asked me again, James, are you really happy? And again, I said, yes. Well, then he pulled out this book and he gave this book to me and he told me he wanted me to read the book. And I thought it was crazy, but after some uh, conversation, I decided that I would start reading the book. He said, if you read the first three chapters and you don't like it, give it back and that'll be the end of the conversation. The name of the book was The Magic of Thinking Big by Maxwell Swartz. I started reading the first three chapters and when I got through the first three chapters, I could not put that book down. Um, the book made me realize that this happiness that I thought I had was just what um, I spoke about a minute ago, filling myself with material things. You know, I had this job and I was making good money. So I was driving a nice car. I was buying a nice home. You know, I was doing these things, filling myself with the material things. But what the book made me realize was 
again, my true identity, my true destiny, because I told you, I knew from a kid I was supposed to be an entrepreneur, but here I am on this job. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so when I read the book, it made me realize, wait a minute, you've got to change your course. You've got to take control because you are not doing what it is you are meant to do. So you have got to figure out how to start taking control of your life and managing your own life. And for me, that's when um, I really began to mature into the level of this is what I do. This is who I am. And that's when I made, made it up in my mind that no matter what it took and no matter what I had to do, I was going to be independent, I was going to be free, and I was going to be my own, be the captain of my own ship. I wasn't going to do what society expected me to do. I was going to do what my being told me I should do. And so to anyone, I say, um, every one of you, each and every one of you, when you were growing up, before you became filled with all of these ideas about what society has told you you should do or you should not do, you should be or you should not be, think back to your childhood, the dreams that you had, the things you wanted to accomplish. And now as an adulthood, now that you're in adulthood, more than likely you will see that the majority of those things you have not done, you have put them on the back burner, so to speak, and you are so busy making a living that you are not living. Because there's a difference in making a living and living. So what you have got to do now is you, your dreams have been put on the back burner. You don't look at them, you don't think about them, and you definitely are not working on them. So now it's the time for you to pull them back off the back burner, to reevaluate your life, to look at those goals, and to start figuring out a way to work on them. And the first, we talked about the vision. So I'm going to give you a tidbit on the first way to start working on them. The first thing that you are going to have to do is take some action. So what I advise you to do is to prioritize a list of your goals. and then pick the first two or three goals on that list. These are the goals that you will work on. And every day on each one of those goals, I don't care if it's 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, but take one action each day to work on those goals because those small steps eventually will start to mushroom and you will see progress and you will your energy will start to come and your creativity will develop. But pick those two or three prioritized goals, whatever they are, and figure out a time in your day. I know your day is busy. You have work, you have your family, you have the laundry, the groceries, you have all these things that you have to do. But consistently every day, spend 15, 20, 30 minutes on those two or three goals. And if you start today spending just 30 minutes on each one, that's an hour and a half a day, by this time next year, you will see significant progress on where you are trying to go. And also bringing back 
that power. When you align yourself, who you know your inner being is, and you align your actions, your thoughts, your words on that, that is so freeing and so empowering. Yes. How can uh, the audience uh, get a hold of you? Yes, you can reach me via my website, which is www.cerebromatics.com. And I'm going to spell that for you because Cerebromatics is kind of, it's C-E-R-E-B-R-A-M-A-T-I-C-S.com. And if you go to my website, you will find information there on the things that I've spoken about. But you will also see some tools, some free downloadable tools that you can use to help you get started on, on your journey. And if you're already on the journey, you've already gotten started, these tools will help you to strengthen the journey that you're already on. So either way, they will benefit you. And um, you, my phone number is there, ways to contact me is there. So yes, um, I also have a book called Rethinking Failure by J.H. Wright. It can be found at Amazon.com. In here, I give you tools and methods to get started on this journey. So anyone that's looking to transform their life, you're feeling like you're in a rut, you're feeling drained, you feel like your energy is lacking because life is not giving you what you expect or what you want or what you thought it would be, then these things will help you to, again, retrain your vision, retrain your mind, and set you on a path of greater success. So can anyone truly transform their life? Yes, there is no one. There, as long as you are above ground, you have the opportunity. And it's, it doesn't matter your age. It's never too late and it's never too early. As long as you have breath in your body, yeah, you have the ability to change your life. It's such an honor and pleasure to have you here. Bye-bye for now. Have a great day. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Soul Power to the People podcast with Tess Vergara. We can no longer be the spectators of our own destruction. Take back your mind. Take back your voice. Take back your soul. Take back your power. Join me again next time for the next episode of Soul Power to the People.